You're listening to the Art of Move podcast, hosted by Dr. William Raybar and Anthony Manuel, where we attempt to create a grand unified theory of human movement, biomechanics, and training. If you enjoy these episodes, you can watch them streamed live on nofilter.net, where you can interact directly and have all your questions answered in real time. Four, three, two, one, and it is episode 16 of the Art of Move podcast. I'm Anthony Manuel. I'm here with Dr. William Raybar. We're out in the Canadian Rockies giving you the search for the grand unified theory for human movement, how we're supposed to move, how we're supposed to train, how we're supposed to live our bloody lives in this human body. And today we're going to do a really fun episode about all the different training systems that we sort of tried over the years. I know we did a full training history episode a little while back. And today we're going to talk about what we liked and what we keep from each system and sort of talk about, you know, how we've adapted each part of the system into how we currently train or think about movement now. Um, and we can go in chronological order. I have a list of all the different methods that I've tried. Uh, last time we started with bodybuilding, and you mentioned you were you, you, you were using a dumbbell for something earlier today. So from bodybuilding, the method of bodybuilding, what did you take away from bodybuilding? And what do you still use either in terms of implements or training techniques? Ooh, that's a good question. So I haven't done bodybuilding for, uh, I'm going to say 10 years now, like strict bodybuilding. Um, however, that's what I first got into as a kid. And it's the first exposure. I think that most people, if they're over the age of 20, and I think it's probably still like this now, it's the first thing you kind of see big jacked people, um, nice muscles, good physiques. That's what you want to do. Right? So, uh, I think everyone goes through a phase of bodybuilding. Um, basically right off the get go though, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just lift heavy weights. Um, at the times look through magazines and just, you know, a bicep curl would just be how much can I curl up, you know, no form, nothing like that. Um, and I mean, that's high school, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I continued doing it into university, got more in, into the science of it and definitely cleaned up how I approached it. However, it led to a lot of injuries and I think um it was partially the way i did it and partially that it makes your body think single levers right so you encode your nervous system and i can't stress enough how important this is the nervous system is of utmost importance when you're coding in movement so you're coding in single joint movements it becomes a problem in your athletic motions but at the same time you're getting jacked and you look uh, a lot better. So everything kind of balances out. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, like for me, like bodybuilding wasn't actually my first go. Like I wanted to lose weight. I was really fat. When I started lifting weights, I noticed I could lift a lot of weights and the people that were around me, um, were power lifters. Right. So I ended up getting more into powerlifting before I got into bodybuilding. I got into bodybuilding a little bit later because I started training bodybuilders. I just understood you know, hypertrophy blocks were part of powerlifting. So I was kind of thinking in terms of like strength oriented bodybuilding, like bodybuilding for the sake of having like a larger muscular cross section so that I could move more weight. Um, I did take away a lot from bodybuilding and things that I still use um, principally are, are being able to focus on different parts of the body and feeling different parts of the body. One thing I noticed about bodybuilding, you know, if you think about the sport, it's about how hard can you flex your muscles on stage, like the posing of bodybuilding if you think about the competitive bodybuilding side of it you're flexing it's like how how hard can you flex your muscles right 
and it's in yeah. how like and you're doing that on stage it is an aesthetic thing there's an art to it right um there there here, here are the things off the top of my head that i took away from bodybuilding one is the aesthetic eye right so right now you and i are very invested in goda and biomechanics right and one of the things that i had to develop when i was training bodybuilders and when i was doing bodybuilding myself was an eye for the aesthetics of the body and in good biomechanics, biomechanics have a certain aesthetic as well, right? So if you're talking about Gota's principles of inside ankle bone high, you're looking for the bow, you're looking for the angles. Um, you know, bodybuilding is a game of angles as well. You're just trying to optimize your angles to look the most proportionate, right? Versus in bodybuilding, you're look or in Gota or in biomechanics, you're looking for angles to have efficient movement patterns. So my ability to look for angles on how the body is positioning itself. I picked up a lot, my ability to focus on certain parts of the body as well. Because again, if you think about flexing the muscle as hard as you can in, in bodybuilding, that requires a huge mind-muscle connection. And even just a mind-body connection in general to, to have the proprioceptive awareness of where your ankles, hips, and knees are when you're doing these like bows and corners with a Goda style training, or even any functional movement training, any dancing, any body awareness thing, um, bodybuilding was sort of my foundation for body awareness. It was my foundation for proprioceptive awareness because it, it basically it was the first time I was trying to connect my nervous system to awareness of, of contractile actions in the body, right? And that translated a lot. Um, in terms of implements and stuff, like I'd love to hear what, what you kind of kept in terms of are there any actual training methods or training implements that you've kept from bodybuilding? Well, I still use dumbbells. Um... I swing them a lot like kettlebells. I, I just find more freedom of motion. Uh, the body's supposed to reciprocate. Um, in boxing, one hand's going back, one hand's going forth. Even when you're throwing hooks, it's the same way, right? So uh, dumbbells allow me the freedom to more mimic that. Um, and uh, yeah, I pretty much don't use anything bodybuilding specific, but mm. I do like isometric holds that bodybuilders do. There's a bodybuilder named Ben Pakulski, and he talks about the angles that your muscles stretch. Now, I don't think in muscles. I think in full fascial chains and lines of tension around the body. But he, he talks about lines of pull that happen at different angles. I can use that as an isometric hold, meaning holding tension at that point. And it feels really good on the muscles. Like, I use this more for a feel type of thing. And... Uh, uh, get in my body and feel the tension, right? And it's almost like stretching for me. So yeah, yeah I use that well, quite a I, bit. I'm, I mean, like isometric holds and extended in these fat, in these tension lines is basically it's loaded stretching for the most part. That's uh, that's in uh, there's some bodybuilding programs like there's a there's a program called Dog Crap Two G's Two P's, and their their whole training methodology. It's a three time a week thing. And each muscle group that you train, you do a rest pause set, meaning you like train to failure. And then you do like two mini sets afterwards. And then you do like a 30 to 90 second uh, loaded stretch in the muscle for as long as you can. And these isometric holds not only increase the, the muscle length, which gives the opportunity, like their theory is like, oh, you stretch these muscles out and they'll recover more full because you're stretching out and you're giving the, the fascia room for the muscle. To it's funny. It's a, it's total bro science, right? But it's, uh, you know, these, these long range isometric holds, they're, they're part of, you know, Christian Thibodeau talked about, he's like a very, very popular strength and bodybuilding coach. And he talks about the importance of isometric holds. Like they're, they're very, very popular in, in both bodybuilding and things like gymnastics, strength sports in general, you'll have uh, 
you know, like deadlifts to the knees where you're pausing, for example. So you'll have like mini isometrics and different things. They're all like, there's, but that end range isometric in particular, I think that is really useful. I still do use that as well. Um, Cause I do still use uh, end range training and things in my, in my training as well. So loaded stretching in different patterns in these different fascial intention lines that you're talking about. I don't necessarily do it in a bodybuilding style where I'm just doing like a strict, you know, pec fly and holding dumbbells in a pure pec fly way because I don't really need to necessarily. Um, I will if, if I'm feeling like a little excessive tension in that area, but I don't usually need to do that. So um, you said you use dumbbells more in a swinging way as opposed to like sort of kind of creating momentum and, and emulating the sort of integrated movement patterns with loading um is there anything else you use dumbbells for um well the loaded stretching uh in the last episode i showed uh lucas from range of strength how i move basically how i stretch my pec out elastically mm -hmm. so i yeah. use them for yeah. ballistic stretching basically mm -hmm. um that is the and isometric holds it's basically it cool yeah. So that's uh, that's bodybuilding, and you know, like I I still do a touch of bodybuilding here and there, but in extremely low volume. Like I'll do, you know, maybe one bodybuilding, one to two bodybuilding movements, specifically for muscular hypertrophy in certain parts of my body, strictly for aesthetics, once or twice a week. And the reason I only do it once or twice a week is a that's the minimal effective dose for hypertrophy. I find like I'm a uh, you know I kind of come from the Mike Menser high intensity training camp a little bit when it comes to hypertrophy and just hypertrophy where you do, you know, you train to failure, you, you hit that sort of uh, mechanism of, of stimulating growth and then you rest for a certain amount of time. The other benefit of that is you're not causing too much joint and tissue damage by training in those ranges. And you're also like not patterning in your nervous system more frequently, these behaviors that, you know, basically make you less efficient at moving. Like, yes, they are neurologically intense because you're training to failure, However, the volume of training that I do in terms of movement practice is so much higher. I don't do like any axial loading on my spine with, uh, with squats or deadlifts anymore. Um, but the, the volume of training that I'm doing in hypertrophy is so low compared to the volume of movements that I'm patterning into my nervous system to have more efficient movement. So that's bodybuilding. Um, you know, we, we, we both power lifted a little bit and we could almost lump powerlifting and bodybuilding into similar camps um, to, to, to a degree. I, you know, one thing that I still keep from powerlifting is tension principles, um, you know, like the ability to create total body tension and how effectively that um, will sort of, you know, the more tense that you, like the more tension that you create, the more strength you generate and the more power you tend to generate. But also what I found was like, the more tension that I'm able to create in my system, the more my nervous system registers a certain pattern. So I'll even do go to drop-ins with um, like I have a torque stick. So I'll, it's like a spring with two handles on either end and I bend it and that creates a lot of tension through my midline. And I, I'll do these thoracic twists and I'll do these drop-ins while maintaining body tension. And I can feel that pattern really intensely in my body in the same way that I used to. And I, I did that because when I was, uh, deadlifting a lot and I was powerlifting a lot, I would, you know, basically create this tension in my body and I would practice that hip hinging pattern every day. And the reason that I got so good at deadlifting is because I was so efficient at the movement and that pattern through creating tension and practicing it with that tension. So I, I don't do a lot of tension work anymore. I try to stay, you know, almost even looser and more, again, thinking more efficiency and less just like pure tension and force. 
but I still use tension to teach my body different movements to access different ranges that I couldn't if I was just kind of chilling. And uh, that's that's what I, uh, you know, kind of kept from powerlifting. Is there anything off the top of your head that you kind of hung on to? No, I did similar things with uh, tension, right? Like understanding how to create tension through your body. However, now I just, I let that go because I know how to create tension. I put the time in and in movement, when you want to make movement more efficient, you have to let go of the tension quickly. You have to have it when you need it and you have to let go of it quickly. So again, I look at the muscles more as accelerators and decelerators of the fascial net. Okay. So that's where the dance comes in between uh, different parts of your body, fascial tensions, elastic motions, and your bones being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> if I can simplify that powerlifting and bodybuilding don't have those principles in it at all. It's very unilateral motions. Things make sense. A to B, the bicep is attached from here to here. I lift it in a single plane done and the bicep gets bigger. Okay. So it, it really doesn't have room anymore for me other than the feeling of the contracting and, um, yeah, that's basically it. Tension. That's uh, yeah. And that, that was the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about is why did we kind of let go of those ideas? Um, you know, I still, like I said, I still do a minimal amount of bodybuilding work just for pure vanity, but I don't actually think it's great for my body. You know, I do it cause I want to look jacked. Um, and that's, that's basically it. And even, even with that, with the minimalistic training that I do, like I'm still like, tempted to let go of it completely just so that I can work on pure movement efficiency. Unfortunately, I'm a vain bastard and I just love looking good. So, you know, yeah, for me, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your goal, right? It's just not my goal at the time. And, uh, I may at some point play with, uh, you know, like Atlas stones or something like that to see where I can get tension from. Uh, so every once in a while I'll pick up something heavy and just play with different tensions, different angles on my body. It's more like that. I'm exploring with heavy weight versus just doing sets and reps. Yeah. Okay. So like I heard of, here's a, a really good point. Um, Chris Chamberlain, who is WEC methods, top trainer. I was listening to a podcast with him and he was talking about something super interesting. And it's basically creating different tensions with the fascial component of your body versus the, um, versus the muscles and playing with different uh, angles of tension. So basically he would pick up the uh, straight bar like he would pick up an Atlas stone and then get tension. So it's almost the exact opposite of, you know, the advice where lock in your lats, get super yeah. tall. It's literally the exact opposite. And he's saying that he can lift way more. Now I've been playing with these, not so much with heavy weight and I've, I'm finding some really cool, um, really cool sensations I haven't felt before. It's more in my exploratory phase. So I don't want to talk too deeply about it, but it's a really cool concept. You can play with different torques and tensions in your body and powerlifting is very torque and tension heavy. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, that torque, that word torque is actually great. Cause that's, that's what I learned from powerlifting first and foremost. That was like my, uh, my that was my north star for most of my training career was how much total body tension how much torque can you create in your own body through through those tension techniques and um you know that's also why we kind of started letting go of it is because like you said there's more of an interplay in the body than just these sagittal plane movements and the ability to create torque and tension within them so let's keep going on with uh, another barbell oriented thing um i know we did a little bit of olympic lifting too but i you know the same sort of thing it's basically 
fast powerlifting is what I call Olympic lifting, right? <laughs> it's just like powerlifting with speed and more technique. And then, uh, you know, included in all those movements and all these principles is CrossFit. And you owned the CrossFit gym in Banff for a while. I coached at the CrossFit gym in Banff for several years. And I, the reason I got into CrossFit is because I wanted to coach at the gym. So I started doing CrossFit for about, I'm going to say it's almost like two and a half, maybe three years where I was just training in CrossFit. And what did you like about CrossFit? What do you keep about CrossFit's philosophy? And what, what do you think you just want to ditch completely about the philosophy? Oh, uh, we can, we can have a whole episode on this, but let's, let's back up for a second and go to Olympic lifting first. Cause um, Olympic lifting really came with CrossFit for me. Mm. I was powerlifting a lot at the time, like before CrossFit. And I always looked at myself as like a powerful CrossFit athlete because one thing I, I used to bench press a lot and really, and not properly, mind you. And I really messed up my collarbone. Basically everything was inflamed all the time. Um, and I couldn't go overhead very well in CrossFit. So that eliminated a lot of things. I was still good at gymnastics, but going overhead with a snatch, it was just a problem. I kept doing it, kept injuring uh, different muscles just because the, the tension was too much and I didn't have the range of motion necessary to get there, no matter what I wanted to do, right? Um, I could do some Kelly Starrett type of maneuvers before I, I did uh, the lifts where I had to go overhead. And that would buy me a little bit of space just to complete the movement without pain. But it's kind of just like, you're basically on the line of injury all the time, lifting heavy, heavy weights over your head when you don't have the space to do it. So it was just a sport that I couldn't excel in because I just didn't have the actual range of motion in my shoulders. Now I do. So if I went back, it would be a lot better, but now I'm not so interested because the way I got the range of motion had a lot to do with getting out of that tense state. Yeah. And I mean, like what you just said too, the reason that I'm going into shoulder surgery a month from today is because I didn't have the space in my shoulders to do a snatch, right? Like I had excessively tight pecs. I was kind of exhausted from the rest of my workout, threw up a snatch and I tore my shoulder labrum, right? I I kind of ripped my bicep tendon in my shoulder labrum because I didn't have that room. And same thing, you know, doing all these banded mobility work and fascial release and everything, but because I was so bound up from all the other aspects of the training and I hadn't really addressed my own movement dysfunctions without trying to, again, same thing, I haven't done snatch or Olympic lifting or even barbell lifts for probably five months now, four or five months. And my shoulders feel great. I can almost even hang from a bar with a torn shoulder labrum. And, you know, I can actually reach my arm overhead and everything's fine. But, uh, you know, I, I agree. Like there's, there's that element where with CrossFit for me, my pattern tended to be, um, push my threshold, get to a point where I got injured, recover, push past that original threshold, get injured, recover, push past my threshold, get injured. It was, it was, it was over and over again, basically. And and that was like, at one point I finally kind of asked myself, okay, at what point is this going to give? At what point am I going to look for a different way to do things? And that's kind of what inspired me to, you know, I, I, at this point I had done gymnastics training and Edo Portal method training, and I'd already done everything before getting into CrossFit. And what I liked about CrossFit was that it had a broad diversity of skills that you had to work on. So I liked the, the, the stimulating effect of having to master multiple skills. I liked the fact that I was able to get stronger and also more metabolically conditioned. So I, I was, I was training, uh, you know, not just one aspect of my fitness. I wasn't just getting stronger in certain movement patterns. I wasn't just 
getting better cardio. I just, I wasn't just being able to do more reps. I was able to increase everything at once. Um, and the hard work element of it too, you know, like the actual sort of arrangement of shorter, intense workouts that kind of look like when you look at them, you're like, there's no way I can fucking do this. And then you end up doing it and you're like, shit, I fucking did that. That part I loved about CrossFit and I still love about CrossFit. That's something that I try to keep in my own training. I'll set up these like crazy, uh, you know, metabolic conditioning things in like, let's say I'm, I'm doing like a go to style training, right? Like I'll do like really heavy sled pushes and, um, you know, like weighted drop-ins with dumbbell swings and, and do, do like some crazy basic movements that are, are trying to train my efficiency patterns but I'm doing them all in a way that's, you know, like, even though it's exhausting me and I have that same like blood in my mouth from how hard I'm breathing feeling, I'm doing them all in ways that like, as I get tired, if I start to notice a decrease in my movement quality, I'll slow down. And it's not necessarily my cardio that's determining, uh, you know, how hard I work. It's basically how long can I keep my movement quality under conditions of exhaustion. And that was sort of, you know, the CrossFit mentality of like, we talked about this in our last episode about our training history. It was like, you you uh, were looking at heavy squats, for example. It's like, yeah, I can squat this heavy weight, but can I do it when I'm tired or my heart rate's up, right? Sure, yeah. I can have good, efficient movement quality, but can I do it when my heart rate's up? Uh, it's the same sort of principle, right? So I, I kind of like, I adopted that from CrossFit into my movement practice. You know, if I'm training these, uh, these go-to patterns or some other sling patterns that I want to have more efficient, I will try to put them in a context of, you know, in addition to just the strict patterning, I'll try to, create an environment where I'm a little exhausted, my heart rate's up, and I'm still trying to hold on to these patterns. So that's what I kept from CrossFit. Uh, what I ditched from CrossFit is a lot of the barbell movements. And that's, that's basically, you know, barbell, um, you know, a lot of pointless patterns that have your feet ducked out. Um, almost like the things that are blatantly destructive to your body long-term. Like if you know you're destroying your tissues, it's just like, some of the, some CrossFit is extreme for the point of being extreme. And I let go of that. I love the principle of working hard, but I don't love the principle of like pushing it so hard that it's like, you look at something, it's like, you're, you're literally trying to kill someone with this exercise load. And I let go of that aspect of it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because every CrossFit's kind of individual, right? You have coaches and CrossFits that really care and have a smaller membership. And then you have large box gyms. So it's hard to say what each individual place is doing and how they operate. But, um, you know, I think most CrossFitters who are young, athletic, go through a phase where they want to go as hard as they can. And that's, that's a really tough place because now you're an athlete, right? You're, you have to train like an athlete. You have to think like an athlete. It becomes like that. And I, I notice a lot of recreational people dip into that mentality too, because CrossFit is very adrenaline based. It's addicting. It's, you got the community atmosphere, uh, music's turned up, it's sweaty. You're placed to outlet, right? So um, that would be more along the lines of competitive younger people, right? Um, when it gets to um, the type of style, the every minute on the minute workout works out really well for most people. And that's an easy way I found as a CrossFit coach to uh, go 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off at every minute, switch it up, right? And then you can have a station of exercises um, and you can keep an eye on everyone at the same time. As a CrossFit coach, that was the easiest thing for me to do, right? So um, basically the problem is that it's not stopping the bleeding, okay? So like, I, I love the saying from Goda, you may be able to 
slow down the wear and tear of your body. And I'm not talking about just from CrossFit. I'm talking about life too, right? Because they yeah. intersect. Um, you have to get better patterns than you already have. Okay. And then you from the office going to CrossFit after hours of sitting, warm up for five minutes, then go hard. That is not going to put you in great patterns as you're lifting. Okay. So it may yeah. not be even be the CrossFit itself. It's the mentality behind how you approach the, your exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Exercise is a new invention. It's, it's uh, not what we're supposed to be doing an hour a day of hard work. So that is some of the negative aspects of CrossFit, right? And I'm, I was giving you that as a coach. I can also say what I saw as a person in CrossFit, right? Um, did you have anything to add to that first though? Well, I love, I love that, uh, that Andrew Ospina quote from last time where, you know, exercise is a modern invention to sort of make up for the fact that we aren't living the way that we're supposed to live. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the essence of what it is, right? So uh, that, that point that you made too, I want people to really think about this. Um, you've made this point in other episodes too, where we view exercise collectively as this thing that we do for an hour or two at the gym, and then it's separate from the rest of our lives. It's sort of this compartmentalized thing. We spend the rest of our day sitting. You know, one of, these, one of the changes that I made even in our own podcast and even in my workday is right now, like I have a desk that comes all the way up to my chest and, and like, I'm standing, you know, like right now I'm standing while we're doing this and I'm kind of like pacing from side to side and doing a little bit of footwork as we're, as we're, as we're doing it. You're sitting in your, your patterns, you're not in your, your chair as much. Right. But we're thinking about movement, not as this isolated training scenario, but we're thinking about it as an integrated part of our lives as a whole. Right. So, so stopping. Change. It's behavior change. Exactly. It's not, it's not just like a, a prescription that you can do for an hour a day. It's how you live in your body that becomes different. It's how you're moving around in your kitchen. It's how you're, uh, you know, bending over to grab things when you're, when you're kind of going to and fro and you're doing your stuff. It's, you know, like how much time are you spending sitting? What are your, what are your daily activities? Do they involve movement? Do they involve the utility of your body and the utility of your body in biomechanically sound patterns? That mentality shift, you know, that that's the other thing is like the wad mentality, the work of the day mentality, a lot of wads and CrossFit, especially they, they reduce the prescription, right? Like classical CrossFit is like 15 minute workouts, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. They might have some that are a lot longer, you know, if you're like a Murph or something or a, you know, a longer workout that you end up doing, but CrossFit for the most part are these short, intense workouts that are the prescription for global fitness. And even though CrossFit, you know, classes end up being an hour long, they, they don't necessarily speak to the global behavior change that is required to have, like you said, to stop the bleeding of tissue damage over the long term. So that's, you know, that's the big thing. CrossFit for me is a blast and I love doing the prescribed workouts, but they don't have the sort of behavior pattern that is also associated with long-term movement change in your day-to-day -day life it's sort of it's still looked at this sort of you, you go for an hour and that's it and that's most training in general right we're not we're not just talking about crossfit in general that's also bodybuilding that's also powerlifting that's also 99.9 percent .9 of the way that people think about uh you know if you go on you run on the treadmill for an hour you're doing quote cardio work you know versus one of the things that you talked about before and that i've i started doing a little while back too where if you need to get somewhere within town, you just jog to go to, you know, to get from your house to the grocery store or something. And you're actually implementing movement throughout your day as opposed to a one hour block. 
Yeah, and and I understand most people aren't going to do it this way because it's just not the way it was done ever, right? Well, I shouldn't say that. It was how it was originally <laughs> done. Yeah. But in society, you don't you structure your time to do different things, and we view exercise as this sweaty type of I have to get my heart rate up type of thing. That's not really the case, right? Like for me, it's just about staying in the right motions and uh, exploring my body at the same time. So if I have five minutes, I can stand in a good resting posture and that adds to my movement ability. And then at the end of the day, let's say, my ability to move is gonna be enhanced from all the smaller work that I've done throughout the day. And I don't have to warm up, I don't have to do any of that, right? So my whole life is like a warm up of small integrated behaviors that I've put in and I can, it, it feels more like being a kid. You know what I mean? Like I have energy to pour into actual fun things uh, versus all the energy into the exercise and recovery. Right. Mm. So at any point my body feels ready to roll. And if it doesn't, I know it. And my goal is to get back to that original state. Right. Yep. So, or even climb from there. Um, back to CrossFit though. I just before you before you go, I just wanted to put one counterpoint to that to what we were just talking about. And that is that like if you want to make behavior changes, putting focused time into making behavior changes is also important. So the you know, the five minutes at a time, like you still need to do these things like all throughout the day, but like creating a stimulus for a change is still relevant, right? Like training and having training blocks is still relevant. Like you'll go have movement sessions, right? Where you're doing nothing but like exploring and moving for a certain amount of time. I still, you know, one of the other things that I took away from cross, uh, you know, CrossFit bodybuilding and powerlifting was sets and reps. Like I will put reps in to patterns that I want to optimize, right? I will still do sets and reps and I will still use that as a measure for seeing where I'm at. Like if I start fatiguing after 15 reps of, uh, you know, an inside ankle bone high drop in, go to style, and then, you know, the next week I can do 20, then like, okay, cool. That's progress, right? Like there's still, it's like, you, there's still room for creating training stimulus in a focused way where you're dedicating time blocks to it. It's just, you also have to think about global behavior change as well. So it's, I don't think it's an either or thing, but it's just avoiding the pitfalls of saying, well, if I do this for an hour a day, then I fix all my problems for the other 23 hours and I'm doing bullshit. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm on this extreme end of the spectrum. I'm thinking about this stuff all day. I'm playing with different concepts. This is not a normal person's day, right? So I understand yeah. that not everyone's going to be able to do that. But you, if you want to move more towards that and look at it like a spectrum, right now I'm sitting in size of position, right? My butt on my heels with my heels away. And that's something I can integrate easily for 20 more minutes a day than I did before. And that will put you in a good large range of motion that's different from sitting, right? You can do this at the office. However, it is also, some people look at it like you're you're sitting like a kid, right? Yeah. You stand at your desk and be all straight. I don't know. Um, I think we have to get away from that, but uh, yeah, basically I don't expect people to train like I train because I'm just thinking about it all day and playing with different concepts. You do well, have it's to- It's your job too, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're a chiropractor who's always thinking about biomechanics. So your, your whole work and your whole life, your life work is literally figuring it out and optimizing it, right? A lot of people don't, but thinking about it in your day-to-day -day routines is still important. Like I said, it's like, I, I work as a digital marketer. I'm doing a lot of work on my computer. I stand now. I still, I'll, I'll sit in those stays of positions. I will try those things. Um, you know, the other thing is too, like, 
where where the two models of like you know like dedicated training and 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 sort of passive living your life with movement in mind can kind of overlap. You know, Lucas talked about this on the last episode uh, with where he talks about groundfulness, right? Where he does a lot of specific end range work and a lot of conditioning, joint conditioning in his training, so that people have the ability to sit in these positions. So he'll train the end ranges of some of these resting postures so people will have more length and space to just rest in them for longer periods of time. So you can do both, right? Like you can you can do, you know, sets and reps of different tissue conditioning for different positions. Goda does that too, you know, like a lot of their child rockers and their their groundwork stuff is specifically doing sets and reps so that you can be more comfortable in these resting postures. And the more you the you know, the more kind of reps you put in the bank for those positions, the easier those positions are, and then the more time you can spend in them, then the more natural they become and the less fucked up your body is. Right. So that's uh that that I just wanted to throw that point out there too, where there's there's a, you know, there's an overlap. Hundred percent. Um those are all great points. Let's go back to CrossFit and, and talk about I'm I'm gonna like we should talk about CrossFit quite a bit, right? Because it's it's very interesting stuff. First off, the justification that I saw originally from it was more on the physiological side, like mm. uh, bringing down heart rate or sorry, um, blood pressure for the population in a whole. What's the easiest way to do it? Well, if you're you know in shape because of the metrics we have and the workouts we can do as CrossFit, then we can get the whole population to have a lower uh, you know blood pressure in in general, right? And and that stuff's great on the biomechanical end of it. Okay. Um, the reason CrossFit didn't bring me to where I am right now in terms of movement was because of the fluidity. Like there's no transegrity model within CrossFit, meaning the whole body interconnected in an elastic way. Okay. So when you see a fluid runner running, uh, you know, down the track or, um, you know, a dancer or a martial artist, the CrossFit motions were all rigid and tight. Even the swinging from the side sometimes they have like axes or you know things that you can swing sideways yep. even that is in the context of going hard and doing it really fast and hard for you know an external metric where movement is more about quality mm. so it, the lens is completely off there but within crossfit itself there is a lot of exploration but it's yep. mostly in the in the frontal and sagittal plane right? Like you're standing still for the most part. I do love the rope climbs. I do love a lot of CrossFit, right? Like skipping, amazing. Uh, yeah, there's so much good about CrossFit, lots of sleds, but it, it was mostly in the context of lift this weight or move this external object or do this for time versus do it for quality. Mm. Now I'm going to come back at myself there. CrossFitters are also in general, the most obsessed with getting better at their motions because they have to or or the other guy's going to do it and beat you right so yeah. they need to be efficient at their patterns right like that like if they're inefficient they get gassed out really fast and then you know like so, and, and i was too like i you know i've always been a technique geek even with powerlifting it was like how can i become more efficient it's funny i think the reason that i that that, that i ended up becoming kind of sort of indoctrinated into the go to kool-aid was because I was obsessed with movement efficiency in all the other sports or other practices that I did. I was like, okay, like I, I know I'm kind of doing this movement, but how can I make it cleaner? How can I tighten it up? How can I make it more efficient so I'm not gassing myself out? How can I 
you know, make this deadlift more efficient so I can put that much more drive through my fucking legs, right? Like, how can I, how can I, like, it was always about creating better quality and efficiency for me above anything else. Well, when you think that way, you're likely to end up at functional patterns, go to WEC method, mm. uh, FRC, ATG. Which we'll cover. Yeah, 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 we'll cover all that. But, but basically, back across, we can do multiple parts of this because uh, there's so much to it. And I'm sure we missed hours worth just in bodybuilding alone, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, back to CrossFit. Uh, you walk into a CrossFit, you're going to see the coaches and you'll see someone prepping to get their, uh, what's it called, the where you go over the bar? Oh, muscle-ups. Muscle-ups. You'll see yeah. someone practicing that. You'll see someone practicing a skill because they become obsessed with it. So all that is building up your psyche, your brain, your confidence and your motions, right? Like you can't take anything away from CrossFit because they brought that into a hole like uh, into the population as well as Olympic lifting. A lot of people were doing that, right? So um, Kelly Starrett really solved a lot of problems on the injury end of it. Like he kept me going for a long time. Uh, if I was ultra, ultra tense in my hips after a squat session where you're squatting, you know, double your body weight or something like that, then I can get on the bands and externally rotate my femurs enough to get enough room so I can do an, the next thing, right? So you're always mm -hmm. on this constant wheel of um, needing to prepare yourself for the next workout. And that in itself is a hole, okay? Because at some point that ends, you'll, you'll stack up injuries, right? So yeah. being gentle yeah. with your body is very, very important as you age. Uh, getting into your mid and late 20s even, okay? Um, and CrossFit doesn't really account for this in terms of how it's structured okay now i like how they're doing dynamic warm-ups i like how they're doing more you know gentle type of motions but in order to stop the bleeding in order to get your biomechanics correct you have to put time and invest uh resources into that into understanding how your joints move and spending time getting those patterns ingrained in you that will transfer into every part of your life and 10 years down the road, you can also, you can be very athletic and understand how to move and keep that. Where I feel like the CrossFit, the Olympic lifting, the powerlifting, the bodybuilding, it comes to an end at some point because you just, your body can't handle it anymore, whether it be your joints or your tissues. You know, the, the first time that I ever thought about like another way of doing it too, you know, aside from my, my getting injured, you know, I got into, after I got injured, by the way, doing the snatch, I, I started taking Lucas Aaron's range of strength training because I thought it would help me fix my shoulder and it would get me more prepared with all the ranges. And my, my original goal was to get back into CrossFit. And I just never did. Hey, like I just never got back into it. I, I, you know, I would do a few CrossFit style workouts here and there, a few Metcons, but I never got back into it because I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to keep injuring myself. Um, and when, when I was doing that, this was when Lucas was still actually part of the ATG back then. ATG was called Real Movement. Him, Keegan Smith, and Ben Patrick, Knees Over Toes guy, they, you know, they all three of them had their own programs in this sort of Netflix style uh, coaching buffet called uh, Real Movement. And, uh, you know, I, so I started connecting with other ATG coaches or real movement coaches and, and people who were doing it. And one of these guys, he had only been doing ATG style movements, mostly with body weight, you know, like the long ATG squat, uh, uh, ATG split squats, the, you know, just basically all the end range movements. 
and no heavy weightlifting. And the guy just, you know, he, he'd never done this before and pulled like something like a 550 deadlift, you know, and he, he just did that. It was like all these like sort of movements that were focusing on creating tissue resiliency instead of, you know, just brunt force attacking your body with this like crazy training stimulus. It's like, okay, cool. You can still be strong as shit and you can be super physically prepared and you don't have to destroy your body doing it. And that was the first sort of like hint that I had at that. When I started doing ATG stuff, I felt strong as shit. Um, even doing Gota, like I, I just like, <laughs> you know, I went, I went to go see like, can I still lift weights? And I tried a few deadlifts and, you know, after not deadlifting for almost half a year, could still, you know, rep out a good 335 deadlift for a good five reps easy. Um, and that was just from the the body awareness and the and the movements that I had. That said, I don't want to do it at all. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to put that load on my body necessarily. But the physical preparedness can come from different inputs that don't have the damaging effect on your body. And that you know that like ATG and range of strength were the first two systems that I kind of looked at. And those are still systems that I I feel you know like while I've let go of a lot of bodybuilding and I've let go of a lot of CrossFit and powerlifting stuff. I find it really hard to kind of let go of some of the ATG principles and a lot of the range of strength principles because I felt so good doing them. Like my body felt prepared and ready to take on different things. Um, and, and, and I like the training style too, because I never felt like I never, I didn't have to do the thing where, you know, you're doing the heavy set of squats and then you need to do a bunch of banded mobility and fucking myofascial release just to move on to your next exercise. I would always go into my next exercise feeling better and more prepared for whatever I was doing next. And so that, that, you know, like those systems are things that I'm really attached to this end range training, this, uh, you know, they don't necessarily respect or, or consider things like tensegrity as in the body operating as this like unified theory that, you know, and they don't necessarily respect um, even a lot of movement patterns or universal principles that Gota has, but I'm trying to figure out how I can implement the principles within both systems to kind of create, again, we're, we're looking for grand unified theory, right? And I only have firsthand experience and research. Um, but my first had an experience with these training methods. I know you're looking into experimenting with the ATG system soon a little bit, just to kind of get your own take on it. Cause mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's something like, like you've done the WEC method and I haven't like, what, what are things from WEC method that you liked that you hung on to? And what are things that you're letting go of? Oh, uh, so much. There's so much in WEC method. We haven't even talked about this yet, but basically, yeah. So when did I get into it? Probably two years ago. I think I saw a, a video of WEC showing running head over foot. And I was like, head over foot. That doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to stay rigid. Right. And um, so I started experimenting with this with no other cues other than head over foot. And I started running. This was at the time when I'm starting to run again. Right. And I'm like, this feels so good. And then I'm thinking about boxing. I'm like, wait a second, you have to do this in boxing too. If I want to be balanced, the reason you're going head over foot is because when you land and your head's over your foot, Gota would call it being in your columns. That means you're balanced. You have a next move immediately. But if you're not balanced, if you're not head over foot, if you're not in your columns, you have that split second where you don't have a move. Okay. Weck says, and this is, I believe this as well, that um, like strength over balance is real applicable strength. Okay. The strength has to be with the balance. If you don't have the, the balance, you can't do that move. Therefore you're not strong. Okay. And that's what a lot of practitioners are missing when they keep rigid. 
Okay, so there's rigidity training everywhere, anti-rotation, stability, weightlifting itself, you have to hold rigid to, to hold weights. So if you're yeah. doing a farmer's walk, you're holding rigid. Weck was the first one as well to teach me to side bend, right? That the, the spine actually side bends. Now here's the kicker. He actually does it and bridges the gap between lifting and running with the side bend, okay? Now I think Yoda practitioners would say he's emphasizing the side bend a little bit too much and that in itself could be damaging. However, I would uh, somewhat disagree with that, right? I think there's a debate to be had there. Let's have that one some other time. But basically he talked about the side bend and it made a lot of sense. I started side bending, having my head over my foot as I'm running, everything became more fluid, easier to cut, to move, to be in balance. And then from there, I was kind of hooked. I'm like, I want to know more about what this guy does, right? So I'm looking into him. He has the, he's the inventor of the BOSU ball, okay? Yeah. And the thing that everyone kind of made fun of forever, <laughs> it's like if, you, if you're on a BOSU ball, yeah, and everyone actually just goes on top of the dome and tries to balance on it. That was not its original intention, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. its original intention was to use the dome. And actually, if you're a lifter, let's say, you can get on one of those bosus and push in towards the middle and activate your body, activate your nervous system before you go for a lift. So you can isometrically activate by trying to break the dome and then go and do your lift, and theoretically, your nervous system is going to be heightened. So I was playing with that for a while. It's very good. I use it for resting postures. It helps you get into Siza. I'm talking about the BOSU ball. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think the value of WEC really was getting me out of the linear plane. I started looking into spinal engine because I think I heard it. I, I heard it before WEC, but uh, thinking back, I'm like, okay, WEC is talking about the spinal engine. I got to go back and really do my due diligence in learning why the spine moves back and forth. And that one, that's when it really hit me and my box was opened up. I was no longer a stiff person. Using the ropes uh, really helped me with that. Doing figure eights, allowing my body to move from side to side and really emphasizing the spinal motion. Now, I think Goda would say, and probably Naudi, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just going to say it myself, that they would say that it's too much emphasis on the upper body. The upper body doesn't actually move that much. Okay? Maybe I'm making that argument myself hypothetically. But I do see an applicability where I can go outside my column a little bit as long as I have the elasticity come back and be fluid, okay? Right. So as I'm moving here, I don't have to be exactly in my column. Let's say if I'm trying to push really hard that way or trying to push really hard laterally or manipulate my fascial lines to be a little bit more taut in one direction, a little bit more soft in the other, I can manipulate that, kind of like a Mike Tyson from side to side. Right? Mm -hmm. One side's compressing, one side's tensing, and he's doing a side bend. If I was to stop him in slow motion, he's side bending. That's kind of what Weck is teaching. Okay? So you'll see this a lot in the landmine university, guys. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen the landmine rotational stuff. Weck is really bridging lifting and, uh, um, and the movement world. Okay? Yeah. So that's yeah. what I see from, from him, amongst many other things. Anything to add to that? No, I mean, like, that, that, that's kind of what I got from the Edo Portal method was that bridge between movement and lifting. It was just in a very different way because Edo Portal's approach to movement is, like, it's not necessarily just, like, the biomechanical evolutionary basis for movement. It's not the standing, walking, running, throwing. For him, he includes a lot of brachiation and a lot of 
you know, spinal fluidity and crawling patterns. And it's just, you know, it's, it's capoeira style, like movement for him doesn't mean necessarily biomechanically sound movement. It means like how, like how much capacity can you basically take this mechanism and its capacity for movement? How much can you expand that outward into, you know, creative things and how prepared for any movement, no matter how obscene or, or outside of the box or outside of the, the math, so to speak, can you do that? And and there would be a lot of lifting in that. He was the first person to teach me spinal undulations, um, to, you know, use the spine in locomotion. The the lizard walk was the yeah. first time I ever experienced that because you're on the ground, you're moving like a lizard. And if you watch lizards, they move their spine to, to locomote forward. So that was the first sort of experience that I had in that. And I think the bridge between lifting and moving has to be there. I think, um, you know, like you said, Kelly Starrett did a really cool job of trying to fix problems within CrossFit. Uh, and then even the ATG system or Lucas Aaron in range of strength, he's, he's fixing problems in the lifting world too. Like they're both, they're both basically trying to figure out how do we keep this strength training template, this, you know, sagittal plane, you know, training the body, conditioning these tissues template that is so popularized in, in modern training. And how can we make it better and, and less with, with all, you know, with less pitfalls of injury that seem to kind of come along with, you know, all these other popular training methods, right? And they do a really good job of that. A lot of the people that they train end up reversing pain in their body. They end up reversing injuries. I know like for me, a lot of the tension, a lot of the stiffness in my body that sort of came accumulated from years of lifting weights and doing CrossFit and doing all this stuff reversed itself when I did Lucas's program. And when I did, uh, um, the knees over toes program, like the ATG stuff like that, that reversed itself. A but that was, you know, now, now that I sort of reversed it, it's like, well, I don't really need to keep working on it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, like, I undid damage. I like how we're talking right now. Cause now we're like, okay, we've moved like getting what we need from lifting and from range work and all that to create better movement, the better movement and more efficient movement is my angle of it. Right. Not so much making the tissues longer. That's just a template for me to, to have better movement. Okay. So I look at these things like tools, let's say in your case, um, you've been lifting up until recently. So your body's probably been really tense. So maybe doing a bout of really, elongating your tissues will help you for the first few months you know but at some point my argument is you have to move it into efficient movement because these are like getting efficient movement is takes so much patterning work that it really does it's like replacing everything else for me you know like to be better and more efficient and i get the fruits with the movement right but basically i can't do it if i'm always being tense Okay. So, um, I find a lot of the systems of stretching and I shouldn't say stretching range of strength or like ATG from what I've seen is really emphasizing those long positions. And then they're like, well, the biomechanics will sort itself out. Um, you know, like people can figure it out and go into their sport and be better at their sport and have tissues, but sport and life are two different things. I, again, I think my angle a little bit more here is, how do I do this for life? Not just be, yeah. not just focus my attention on a single sport. Although I think the human should be able to go into anything, yep. not maybe not be highest level, but be able to compete pretty well at almost anything. 
well, up until a reasonable let's age. Let's even right? let's even use the sport example, right? You might have more resilient tissue, but say, and again, the reason that we got into movement, and the reason I guess we love Gota so much is Gota kind of came up with the universal principles of human first and foremost. They looked at tape to figure out well, how are we supposed to move, and that's why we harp on it so much because we can't argue with a lot of their points. Um, like any of their principles are pretty sound in terms of like a first principles way of how humans are meant to move, especially locomote. Um, so, so that, you know, that's, that's a first principles idea that we sort of, we, we kind of go towards. Um, what I kind of wanted to, to sort of discuss here with that was you, even if you're getting into your sport and you have conditioned your tissues, you might be more injury resistant because you have stronger tissues in these negative patterns, but the wear and tear eventually will catch up with you. You can do both, right? You can pattern yourself to be really, really good specifically for your sport. You can train your inside ankle bone high if you're playing basketball, you can train your pivot systems and you can train all these things. And then pushing your sport super, super hard is going to train, like that is training in itself. Like playing a basketball game is fucking hard, man. Like it's sprinting. You're sprinting and cutting and you're running, Absolutely. you're trying to control your breathing, you're coordinating yourself. It's a lot on your body and that's amazing conditioning. That's a, it's an incredible way to condition your body. You can also make your tissues resilient, but you wanna make them resilient in a way that's going to reinforce good patterns so that you stay efficient during your, your game. Well, I, I love Goda's philosophy. It's like, okay, there's these older guys or, and, and girls, um, they're doing something differently because they're not doing any of the weight room work and they're playing their sports. They're just getting up, playing basketball. This guy's 60. How does he move? Right? Like what is he doing right? Because um, he's not doing any of the tissue work. So studying the anomalies like that is so, so smart, you know, because basically they have similar patterns and even if you hate Goda, okay, a lot of people hate Goda. So like, even if you hate it, the best debates are coming out of the go to world anyway, because it's making people think. Um, so I, I love it, right? Like, and I think that Gota is actually genius and that Coach Gill's a genius, right? And most people are like coming out of the science world, say they're like, this guy's an idiot or something like that, right? Because he doesn't have articulate, uh, uh, you know, language around what he's saying, but it's all so simple. Yeah, that he's a bit of a hippie, right? He's talking about Fibonacci spirals and fucking yeah. the universal principle code. And he even talks about like, oh, you understand nature in terms of duality. There's Goda and Woda. And, I love and it. It's like, it's like, you know, like that's, 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 that's like Taoism, right? He's, he's blending all these spiritual woo-woo ideas, which of course is in most people's mind immediately associated as, as anti-science. But it's like, fuck, he's just making observations. Who cares what language he used? Like yeah. criticize, criticize the ideas, not the person. And so far I haven't heard a really good criticism of any go to principle whatsoever. So uh, I, lo I love coach Gill too. I love all the guys who are working. You know, I talk to Gary on a pretty regular basis now. And I think the dude has really, really figured something out in terms of how to train athletes specifically him and coach Rick are fucking amazing. Like, and the, you know what, they had to create their own language to, to kind of talk about what they're talking about because it doesn't fit in the current map we've spent. You know, the last, you know, there were 14 other episodes that we did all about this, about why the map didn't really kind of fit the, and why well, they needed to, to use their own language for it, right? They have a reputation of like on Instagram of, you know, uh, being aggressive with, the, with everything. But in fact, when I went in, because 
I'm a person who's gone through a lot of different systems. So when I see it, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to ask pretty high level questions. They were the only guys that just answered the question and weren't sensitive about it. If I go on and ask most people questions about what they're doing, it's immediate block and, uh, or just getting upset at you for what you think. Right. So it was actually the blocked by David Black, right? <laughs> oh yeah. No, David I did Black get blocked by David Black. And, and I, I definitely didn't say anything disrespectful because I like the guy and I've, I've taken his courses, but I think I, I was looking into go to a lot of in the, um, at the time. And I think I asked him a go to related question. And it could have been fresh after, you know, something, uh, a go to argument, maybe in the, in the chat or something like that. I don't know, but I, I got immediately blocked. And, uh, so whack unblock me, please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I like your stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, well, I mean like th think, think about a guy like, uh, like Naudi Aguilar, I think is really, really intelligent in a lot of his stuff, but yeah. he will not give you anything for free. He will guard his ideas because uh, he calls it his intellectual property. I get that. Um, you know, if I had a method that was like, I, I don't give people stuff for free either. But I also don't, uh, you know, talk about movement as if it's like this protected thing or biomechanics or something that you can copyright. Um, the other thing is like, Naudi, if you talk, if you if you question his ideas, will just like aggressively block you out. And it's it's like unless it's happening from within his system or his own ideas, then like he's he's not very open to to new concepts, right? So so a lot of the criticisms that Naudi gets with his functional patterns from the GoTo guys in particular, it's like, you know, Rick just posted up a video, and I think I even sent you this video. It's like, look at this this guy got great results in his upper body, but he's inside ankle bone low, and his is his you know foot mechanics are terrible right now. So he gets people amazing results in terms of like fixing scoliotic issues, fixing sciatica. He, he fixes all, all kinds of other stuff. But if you question, even question, it's like, if you ask, why do you think of it this way? You're not going to get an answer. If it comes across as a personal attack and you're a clown and you're not, you're not part of the FP movement, right? Like it's, it's sort of for him, he, he, like he even admitted, he's like, he picked a team. And I think that's, you know, that's the one thing I don't like about functional patterns. <laughs> like I like, I like a lot about functional patterns. I like a lot about the the postural analysis that they do. I did his 10 week course in the functional training program. So I'm not, you know, one of these human biomechanics specialists. I didn't take his courses and sign the non-disclosures. All I did was I took his courses and what I really liked about his courses were how, like you said, he thinks about sling systems. He, you know, works in rotation. He focuses on, you know, different patterns that, that kind of would, basically emulate full planes of movement as opposed to just like the sagittal and frontal planes. And his postural analysis is really, really good. In fact, his posture is back chain dominant posture. Like when he teaches posture analysis, like I think it's like it's it's congruent with that. Where he where he loses me is his lower body mechanics with his foot and ankle control with the bow in the corner that Goda has. He doesn't think about those biomechanics and those and how those sling systems, how those fascial lines that he bases his whole training on what they exist to function as right so if you think about like even the it band all the way to the ankle that fascial line is supposed to be loaded and released in locomotion he doesn't think about that at all and he's not open to hearing that at all well maybe there's a couple ways to skin a cat i don't know i think that gota has the simplicity down in that one the um 22 in 22 5 out 
basically um, uh, external to internal of the tibia and the femur, okay, at the same time, and the hip going around the corner, okay? So basically, it's like this. Um, I don't want to say what Naudi thinks because maybe he's got his own reasoning for what he does, and and uh, I'm sure that Goda is really willing to have that debate about the inside ankle bone low and, and all that, but yeah, I, I agree with you that I don't think Naudi is willing to have those debates, but the guy's been in this game for a long time. He's taken a lot of crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've seen it. And imagine being him on the keyboard and having hundreds of people coming at you with just most of the comments are a waste of time for him, right? Yeah. Once yeah. in a while, he'll engage with a good one. But for the most part, he's sitting there typing on his computer. He's like, idiot, 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 stupid. You have no results. You know, like uh, it's it's pretty funny stuff. All the guys, like the guys I see as next level, WAC method, uh, GOTA, and functional patterns, they all have their characters at the top who are you know like artists right you have to think outside the box in order to get out of the uh, uh science matrix right so yeah. they all have their quirks to them and, and it's great right i just wish there was more debate and i guess that's what we're doing here is trying to bring up the at least bring up the issues that are happening in there within biomechanics yeah, we, we will, like, I do want to say anyone who's listening will never speak on behalf of any of the founders of these systems. We're speaking from our personal experience and our own uh, interpretation of the systems. So we're not certified in any of them. Like, I'm the only thing that I'm actually certified in is the range of strength coach coaching program. Like, I did a 12-week thing with Lucas, and he taught me how to coach people and flexibility and strength and flexibility. That's it. So I can speak a little bit to that, right? But, like... I wouldn't ever speak on behalf of Lucas either. We're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create interdisciplinary discussion and see like where, where are the gold nuggets and what can actually be applied and what might not be being applied by other systems because of ego reasons or, or you know, reasons of like not wanting to collaborate. You know, I, I see a lot of, uh, you know, overlap in WEC method, functional patterns and GOTA as in terms of having like really good principles to kind of borrow from each other, but they just won't because, because it's like, they're, they're so invested in their own particular system that, uh, that you won't end up at, like, you know, you wouldn't be able to have a conversation with knees over toes guy about biomechanics because he's too busy teaching people how to heal their knee injuries by doing end range work and gradual progressive loading on the tissues of, of the knees and of the body. Like you, he wouldn't talk about biomechanics because that's not his jam. It's not his brand, right? So we're trying to get beyond the the academic limitations, the branding limitations, the personality and ego limitations that happen in a lot of these conversations. We're just trying to have good conversations that really, you know, that that end in understanding of like one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode that I was so excited to do this episode is because like. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to train on a regular basis. Like I know my movement practice as, as like my day to day, like I do droppings and stuff as I'm at my desk and I, I do some go to work and I do some seated work and I, I, I think of my body in that way, but I'm still figuring out how I want to, you know, condition my body, how I want it to get better. Cause I always want it to get better. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't like a, a stasis. That's not my, you know, I like, I like the ability to, um, you know, to have a, a good homeostatic state with my body where it's comfortable and I don't feel any pain, but I also like expanding my capacity. So one of the reasons I like 
having these discussions. It's like, okay, well, am I going to run faster? Am I going to dance better? Am I going to, you know, jump higher? Am I going to, I don't know, fuck, like, am I going to have more range, you know, like even, and, and maintain these good movement patterns. Can I do the splits and still, you know, have my, my go to principle locomotion. Like these are all things that I'm really, really fascinated by. And that's why I want to have these discussions is because I think a lot of the, you know, these, these would be crossovers that would be more exciting for me than like, you know, Spider-Man meeting Batman would be like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're probably not going to happen. No, you mean like a, a functional pattern, Naudi getting together with like Wack and, and like Dakota? Or yeah. Dakota? Imagine, yeah. Imagine, imagine Rick and Gil sitting down with uh, David Weck, Naudi Aguilar, and, uh, and us, because we're fucking awesome too. <laughs> yeah. We're probably like, a bit be... or something. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, We'd have but... to do it on live stream. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I have love for all these systems, right? And they're, they're really more common than you think. I think, again, Naudi's end of it is he's more of like a maestro. He takes the individual person and can tweak them. I think that's how he thinks of it. Um, he doesn't have as much of a system towards it as Gota. But I think Naudi is like, a, yeah, he works more along the transegrity lines, okay, of like having the body work as a fluidity, a fluid whole. Okay, yeah. and has less, uh, less honing in on the lower body biomechanics. Where Gota is very lower body biomechanics heavy. Feet is huge. Ankles are huge. Um, having the bones rotate in the proper way huge, and building up your capacity to do those things is very big. Now, where Weck comes in is like a lot of upper body mechanics. He does something called the double down pulse. That's basically as you run, both of your arms hit down at the same time like drums. And that propels you fascially to a higher, a better step, to a more efficient step. However, if you don't have the mechanics already uh, tuned in there, you can be putting more pressure on yourself, right? So there's that. And, and I'm not saying that WEC doesn't address that. I'm just giving you nuances, right? And then, yeah, so a lot of upper body work, the roping stuff that I do, figure eights. You're literally drawing a figure eight with your hands, okay? Um, an infinity pattern. And that is basically how you run. And it's really patterning easy athletic motions that you could do a thousand times over and over with a rope. It's genius. Okay. Now I would pair this with good footwork. Footwork would come first. That is being on the right, balanced on the right part of your foot. The roping is really easy to lose concentration on your feet and only concentrate on the upper body. That is kind of the next level mistake I made for people who are just getting into roping. Um, make sure you have the footwork down. I put, I do the roping and go to footwork now, okay, yeah. for the most part. Um, but I find it so valuable, and I don't think that Gota does enough of that, but that's just my opinion. I think they're just focusing on where most people need their work, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, in terms of the spinal engine, uh, Gota is definitely on board. Wex definitely on board. Naudi's definitely on board. However, if you look at Naudi's older stuff, um, it was very robotic, the way he was showing his exercises. You know, he'd be like, walking is a lot like this, right? Yep. Um, and I don't think he, and, and then all of a sudden, I remember around 2018, he started to look like he was side bending in his run. And I'm like, interesting, right? Like, what is that? So I think that's when he discovered Spinal Engine, was around 2017, 18. So even at that point, I don't think he had 
had it really down and dialed. So I think he's like, all these guys are learning no matter how much of gurus you think they are, they're still learning too. Personal opinion, I think GOAT is the easiest to follow for most people and very fundamental. WEC is very pattern specific in terms of uh, getting you more efficiency in your upper body. And, and I find WEC is really fun, okay? It's about like throwing your body around and using the fascial tensions to, to manipulate yourself right? And then uh, functional patterns, what I got from that was a lot of the fascial training itself. So um, how, like, for instance, having dumbbells swing in opposite directions, having my body twist and turn at the same time, okay? I can work my fascial lines with a little bit of weight in a lot of the patterns that Naudi shows in, in his tutorials, right? So I've got a little bit from every system, um, Mostly I'm looking at go to now, but I, I've definitely carried over a lot from each one. And I'm about to take a Wex hand course, right? It's core fist course, 20% off for Black Friday, by the way. Great Black <laughs> Friday investment. Um, and I'm going to play with that as I run because my running has never felt better from just playing with what I've seen him do on YouTube. So I can't wait to get into his deeper stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, yeah. like, you know, for anyone who's listening to our podcast and who is like oh you know like functional patterns that's really cool like or or go to like go buy some of the stuff that these guys are doing and try for yourself like the one thing that i advocate for is self-experimentation if there's something that you look at and you see and it makes sense to you it won't make sense until you actually embody it like unless you actually try these things the reason that will and i i'm, I'm speaking for you right now but the reason that both you and i assume have had so many different training methods under our belts like, you know, just, just counting on my hands, bodybuilding, powerlifting, CrossFit, uh, just regular weightlifting, gymnastics training, GOTA, functional patterns, WEC method, range of strength, ATG, like that's 10 right there. I ran out of fingers. Um, we've tried so many, Edo Portal method, everything in between, right? Like we've tried so many different things is because we wanted to see how it actually worked. We wanted to get the results ourselves. And if it got results or it got us closer, there's always been something that, you know, everyone's looking for some feeling in their body, right? Anyone who's training, anyone who's, who's applying any of these methods, anyone listening to this podcast, especially, holy shit, if you're listening to this, then you are definitely a weirdo like us. You know, you think like we do, because you wouldn't be listening to us sitting here talk if you, if you didn't have a mindset that was interested in movement, interested in, in getting your body to behave and feel and, and exist in a certain way. So go out and fucking try these things. Go buy some of the programs. Like, you know, like Will and I are still, you know, taking things. I, I started working with Lucas again, and I still do the, uh, you know, I, I, I go on Rico225.com, which is Gary from GLS's GoTo program. Like, we're still doing all these other programs. Even though we do program for ourselves and we do our movement experiment, we'll, we'll still learn from other people. And, you know, listening to this podcast is not enough. Go and try these things. Absolutely. Like, I've, I've spent thousands of dollars on different programs. Um... I mean, so many, the ones you've listed, other ones, Bahava Fitness, all the different chiropractic programs that integrate with this. Let's not even get started with that. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many, right? And uh, you're right. You do have to invest and try it yourself, okay? Or you can stick with the research and guess, okay? You can, you can trust that, that the research is correct and never try it and never get past a linear plane of motion because all research right now, sorry, it's linear, okay? It's linear yeah, cadaver. Yeah a model um 
and and it's just like when you start to understand the language of rotary and how it works and then you you can just automatically tell when you hear a linear type of thing it's like uh, it, it's very jargon based in uh you know like physio and chiro and sports med talk like anatomical planes of motion that's how the body moves where it's like no it's a rotary system of circular energy whoa that was woo woo but really it's not you know <laughs> like spiral patterns exist people think i'm crazy and so they're like what are you talking about you do figure eights with your upper body and match it with what your hips are doing and you become more efficient like do you do you want me to show you with the bow staff or like with ropes or uh, you can literally see the motions happening in front of you and people are like no that's not a thing right so in general if you want to expand your mind uh atg goda weck method functional patterns choose one look into it try not to get too dogmatic about it although it happens right um and yeah have fun with your body like explore try to be more efficient that's along the lines of where i'm coming from my own way of testing things is I will do a three to six month trial of anything. And that's like, and when I'm in that three to six months, I'm fucking all in. Like I'm not doing anything else. I am all in on that method. And then that's my only way that I can assess it. Like I will do nothing but that for six, you know, three to six months. I did yoga, nothing but yoga for like a year. And that was, that was an interesting exploration. You know, like that was, I, I learned a ton about why I'm never going to do yoga again. <laughs> well, I've, I've done similar, right? Explore your body and learn from it so that you don't have to do those three to six month trial periods because you know what works and what didn't, right? Exactly. That's like the practice behind it. Like what I got from yoga, breathing. You know, breathing was the biggest thing. Breathing in conjunction with movement. My flexibility work improved a lot when I learned how to breathe through yoga. I actually learned more about the mental benefits and philosophical benefits from yoga than I did learn about a movement practice. I learned how I don't want to move my body <laughs> essentially with yoga. And, uh, and I learned how I do want to move my body with yoga by, by learning all the things that I didn't like about the, the positions that I was in. I, I had more injuries doing yoga than I did from any other movement practice, by the way, like even more than powerlifting or CrossFit or anything. I had more, especially neck injuries was a re like a pretty regular thing for me. And I never, ever would get neck injuries. I was pretty fucking resilient. Um, you know, one thing I'd love to get into is like, I've, I've done like, we didn't even cover martial arts. Like I've done Muay Thai. I've done a little bit of jujitsu and wrestling. Uh, that's the next thing. Once I have my shoulder surgery and I've recovered my shoulder from my shoulder surgery, I want to see if there's a place that I can get into either wrestling or jujitsu, preferably wrestling. I think wrestling is like a little more fun. <laughs> You're more likely um, to find a jujitsu gym than a wrestling gym. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's like, there's, they're, they're more regular. My brother's very into jujitsu actually. He's very, very good at it. Well, um, I'd recommend doing self jujitsu. There's programs yeah. on dynamic striking. I love dynamic striking by the way, where, um, you can do jujitsu at home, just drills mm -hmm. and, and start doing it. I do that actually a little bit as well. Martial arts are a huge part of my practice. Everything I, I usually test my fluidity with martial arts. Okay. So, um, I'm big into boxing, but I've started doing Muay Thai. I've started to just integrate different, uh, movements that I can emulate from dynamic striking and from slowing down either boxing uh, matches or, uh, MMA matches, right. And yeah. finding what the, what the fighter is doing with their body and trying to emulate it. Right. 
So well, you, you were the first person good. to get me into boxing, actually boxing. When I was doing boxing, like I felt great. Like my body was feeling really good. And it's funny. I found old videos of us boxing and I saw how rigid my movements were compared to yours. Even back then, I think that was like, would have been almost two and a half, three years ago. I'll, I'll pull up those videos for us next time. It was really, really funny to watch. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, like that's a pretty good overview. I'd love to do in-depth episodes of, of kind of different, uh, systems too because we did broad overviews like you said with crossfit especially i think we could do like a whole series on there's because yeah. it's because it's such an in-depth practice that has so much but that i think that's a pretty good place to end it off today i think we, we did a pretty broad overview was there anything that you felt we were missing today um no like we could dive into eat any of those and do a whole episode on it um yeah maybe next time we could approach it from the systems end of it, it's like, um, you know, what's it doing to each part of your system? Yeah. Or, or pick, a, well, this is a conversation for me and you, but basically we'll pick a, let's say transegrity and see how each system handles transegrity. Yeah. Right. So, or uh, it's, it's tensegrity. It's funny. Right? I, I keep messing yeah. this up. And yeah. it makes sense. Cause it's like, it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, lines transiting the body, like tension lines. I just think in terms of, so, so tensegrity, for those who don't know, it's this system of tension that sort of makes up your, your, your body. Like, it's like, if you think about the fascial web uh, in your body, it creates these tension lines that kind of hold your structure up and hold your structure, you know, in integrity. It's tension integrity, right? Like, the, it's, yeah. it's the tension that holds your body in integrity. So that's, that's uh, you know, when we think about movement and movement quality and movement patterns, it's optimizing these tension lines to have the most the maximum amount of integrity within your movement and within your structure and that's what we say when we think about uh you know optimizing tensegrity in your movement practice i would actually we'll, say we, fluidity. Fuck, we, we, fluidity. yeah fluidity i mean like that's that's true too <laughs> well if you want to make your fascia um harder more dense that would be what a power lifter wants to do if you want to make it more fluid because you want to be a smooth mover, dancer, martial artist, you would do more fluid motions. You have to program them in at some point, right? So yeah. it's an interesting conversation to have in terms of tensegrity. But yeah, ending there would be awesome. That's awesome. And guys, we're doing this live on nofilter.net. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, first, please subscribe. Give us a nice little rating if you like this stuff. We're up to over... Uh, I think we have over 15 different countries that are listening to. So, you know, like two guys from the Rockies in Canada just doing this podcast and seeing you know, people from Jamaica and Ireland and Australia. Now we have Saudi Arabia, Serbia, Spain, uh, most recently Panama, Norway, South Africa, and Mexico, and Denmark, St. Lucia. We have people from all over the world listening to our podcast now. And I'm just like super, super grateful for everyone who's been listening so far. Go to nofilter.net if you ever want to see these live. Uh, you can also send Will a message at The Art of Move on Instagram. And you can send me a message at media at nofilter.net. If you have any requests for episode topics, if you want to jump on, nofilter.net is an interactive platform. We have one of our audience members, Stephen Luker, just send us a message in the chat being like, international, let's go. Stephen yeah, Luker is listening from the United States, I do believe. So, um, you know, if you want to come join on and, and, you know, talk to us in the chat, we also have a knock function on nofilter.net, which allows you to join the stream yourself. And then you can hop on, you can ask us questions or you can debate us if there's things that you disagree with 
which there's bound to be, you know, I'm sure there's tons of people that disagree with the things that we talk about, just sign on and, and come have a discussion with us. We're always open to debate. We've been waiting patiently to debate someone <laughs> who, uh, who disagrees with us because we're, we're mostly looking, like I said, this, this whole podcast, its intention is to try and find truth in movement and truth in the human body. So if there's anyone who can help us get closer to that by correcting us on incorrect opinions or by helping us deepen the conversation, then sign on to nofilter.net. Look me up on the host page. My name is Anthony Manuel, or you can look up the upcoming events, and we always have another episode scheduled. So we'll catch you next time, guys. Thanks for listening to The Art of Move, and that's it for today. Let movement be your medicine. Boom.